0: So um, for the next few seconds, I want to speak on a subject that says, I'm not just a guest. I'm not just a guest. Jesus was not just a guest. Most people have, are looking for a God, but they don't understand that the God they're looking for is in the guest they invited. And God told me to tell you that I'm not just a guest. I'm not just a visitor. I'm a God. Father, we ask for the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. We ask that you move from center to second, friends, and fill this place with your glory. I bind every spirit of heaviness, every spirit of distraction. I hide behind the cross, think through my mind, and speak through my vocal cords. Beyond the excitement, let it be an experience. We give you all the praise in advance for what you do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Perfect. Miracles were a very important aspect of Jesus' ministry. I like Jesus because he did not just preach about the power of God. He demonstrated the power of God through miracles, signs, and wonders. I think this is very important because we're beginning to see a new breed of Christians. They know how to explain the power, but they don't know how to demonstrate the power. So the Bible says, That most Christians, that the Bible says that that the whole earth is waiting for a manifestation. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 19, waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. The whole earth is not waiting for an explanation of the sons of God, the whole earth is not waiting for a description. We know how to explain. We have sermons on the power of God. We have songs on the power of God. We have t-shirts on the power of God. We have bumper stickers on the power of God. And the only thing missing is the power. And the only thing missing is the power. I like what Paul says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4, he says, And when I came to you, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. So Paul was saying, I didn't, come, I, didn't come to, I didn't come to entice you. I didn't come to just tickle your fancy. I didn't come to say what's that would get you all excited. He said, I came with a demonstration of the power of God. Good. Good. Most theologians will agree that Paul was very erudite and very illustrious. He was, very, he was a very good writer. He could write from prison and chase demons away from churches. But he, couldn't, he didn't know how to speak. Most theologians, they have divergent views when it comes to Paul's preaching ability. Because they didn't really feel and think that he could speak well. But he could write well. And Paul was preaching in one service. And he preached all through the night. And he he had a servant that was sitting by the window. And he fell asleep and he died. Now Paul didn't have enough charisma to hold him enough in his sermon. But he had enough power to raise him from the dead. I would rather have someone boring that has the power of God than someone exciting that is all noise and all bark and no bite. And Paul had a balance. And that's the balance I'm talking about because we have to learn how to not just talk the talk, but we we have to learn how to walk the walk. We need to know how to balance what we are saying. Think about your life today. What would have happened if Jesus told Mary and Martha he was the resurrection and the life and he couldn't raise Lazarus. Yeah. What would have happened if Jesus told blind by I am the light of the world, but he couldn't give him sight? What would have happened? Think about the fact that Jesus, wherever he went, he performed miracles. Most of you are living in miracles and most of you are miracles and you don't even know. Most of you are wearing a miracle. You are working in a miracle job. You are driving a miracle car and you don't even know. Think about your life and we're celebrating eight years of God's faithfulness. Eight years of God's goodness. And most of us don't even know that we are alive because it's a miracle. Most of us don't even realize that we are here today because of God's grace. If it had not been the Lord who was by our side, I wouldn't have been here. But look at you today against all odds. They wrote you off, but you were still here because of God's grace. You are a miracle. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm a miracle. Stop looking for a miracle. If you've been looking for a miracle, stop looking for a miracle. I am the miracle you have been looking for. I am the breakthrough you have been looking for. I am the goodness you've been looking for. I am the favor you have been looking for. Somebody say amen. 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 Don't get focused on what you want God to do that you forget he's done stuff before. Most of you are so focused on what I want God to do that you've forgotten that God has been doing things in your life and you are a product of God's mercy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good. Miracles. Beat your chest and say, I'm a miracle. So talking about miracles, this was the first miracle of Jesus. And there's a lot we can learn from this miracle that can help us. The Lord first mentioned, the first controls the rest. So there's something about this miracle that we can learn that can help us experience. Expand on the mentality of Jesus. Understand the process, the, the patterns of how miracles are supposed to occur. And there's something, there's a signature I see in this text that I don't, I don't see in most miracles. And I'm going to give you three keys that are going to go hand in hand with, with being bigger and being better and being bolder. The first key I see from this text is the invitation. Everybody say the invitation. The invitation. Good. The invitation. Jesus was invited for a wedding. Jesus was not invited to heal the sick. He was not invited to cast out demons or cleanse the lepers. He was invited to heal the sick. And I know you can read past this, but this is very important because all through scriptures, whenever anyone needed Jesus' attention is because they had a situation, not a celebration. But here Jesus was invited not because he, he was supposed to go and change a situation. They did not invite Jesus because they needed his power, but because they wanted his presence. So my question is, when do you invite Jesus? Do you only invite Jesus when you have a problem? Do you only invite Jesus when you have a problem? Is Jesus one of your emergency contacts or are you a frequent caller? When do you call on Jesus? See, that the thing we do is that we call God when we have a breakdown, but God wants to be the God of the breakthrough. He doesn't just want to hang around when you have the pity party. He wants to hang around when you have the main party. He's the God of celebrations also. You need to invite Jesus. I'm not talking about the article. I'm talking about having a relationship with him and engaging him. And Most people would never remember God till they have an issue. And most of us have found ourselves in a situation. And the reason why we are where we are today is because we have not invited God. Think about this pastor. They invited God into their lives. And eventually when they had a situation, Jesus took care of it. Could it be possible the reason why you have a situation is because she did not invite God in the first place? Jesus had disciples first. And it's important that the Bible mentioned disciples because they didn't do nothing. Just observe. And ask myself, why? Because, Because God was trying to tell us that it's possible to follow God and you've not seen no miracle. Most people will only follow God when they see a miracle. But the Bible tells us clearly the disciples eventually believed. So they had not seen a miracle first before. And so my question to you is, are you following God because you were a disciple or because you want a miracle? Why are you following God? If the only time you follow God is when you have a need, then you you don't really need God. You just need someone to meet your needs. So God is no longer your source, and anybody can be your resource. Why are you following God? Are you a disciple, or are you looking for a miracle? This is very important because a lot of times when we think about miracles, We think about, oh, when I'm in a situation, I'm going to call on God. And there are scriptures on that. See, I've always said that most people want to see the hand of God in their lives. But you would never see God's hand at work in your life if you focus on his hands. When you focus on God's face, you see God's hands at work in your life. Could it be possible that the reason why you've not seen God's hand at work in your life is because you're focusing on God's hands and what you're going to get and what he's going to give you instead of God's face? Could it be possible that that's why you were stuck and that's why you are where you are? Most people want, the, they, they want the fire, but they, they don't have fellowship. They want the reign of God's spirit, but they don't have a relationship with God. How is it possible that you want everything God gives, but you don't want a relationship? That is called manipulation. Because anytime you want a manifestation with our relationship, that is manipulation. We want to see God do things and do things and do things, but you don't have a relationship. If the only time I go to my wife is when I need stuff from her, it's manipulation. And the whole earth is not waiting for the manipulations of the sons of God. The whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Sons meaning you have a relationship. When do you invite God into your life? This is very important. I've I've heard people say, I'm waiting for a move of God. And that's fine. And I respectfully agree with you. But if you move with God, you will not wait for a move of God. If you move with God, you would not wait for a move of God. And most of us are waiting for a move of God. My brother and sister, there is a difference between waiting on God and God waiting on you. There's a thin line between procrastination and patience. Stop waiting on God when God is waiting on you. Stop waiting for a move of God and start moving with God. You are in a season where God, see, you're in a season where God is craving. If it's important to you, it's important to God. If it's important to you, it's important to God. They invited a guest and didn't know that the guest was a God. They invited a guest and didn't know that the guest was Jesus. The one that created everything. Be careful how you treat your guest. Because your guest might just be the one God is going to use to see you through your next test. Be careful how you treat the person beside you because they are more than just a visitor. They are more than just a guest. And the solution to your problem might be in the person you despise. Look at your neighbor, the one you you didn't want to talk to today and tell them, don't take me for granted. (laughs) Tell them, don't take me for granted. I always like to say, if you wrote me off, then whatever you're writing is off. That's what I always like to say. If you count me, if you count me out, then you don't know math. You, you're miscalculating. If you overlooked me, then you're looking in the wrong direction. Just because I don't look like what you have in mind doesn't mean I'm not going to blow your mind. I might not, I might not smell like what you have in mind. I might not look like what you have in mind. I might not even speak like what you have in mind. But guess what? I'm not just a guest. I'm a God. I'm going to blow your mind. You cannot take me for granted or write me out because you don't even know who I am don't take people for granted because you don't know who you just invited. Jesus was a solution and Jesus came into the wedding. Jesus came into a celebration. Think about it. The solution came into a celebration. The solution. Could it be possible the reason you've not attracted solutions is because you don't have celebration in your life. Could it be possible the reason you have not invited Jesus is because you have no wedding? Could it be, could it be possible? That's why the Bible says and that Jesus is attracted to celebration. Most of you are too moody to attract God. Most of you are too melancholic to attract God. You're so introverted to attract God. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Look at Paul and Silas. They were in the middle of the jail cell. And whenever you bring God into your situation, the place becomes bigger. You know, we're talking about bigger, better, and bolder. And when you, this, is, this is how a how, how mindset works. Whenever we think about anything, we think about ourselves. If I say bigger now, the first thing that comes into your mind is how can I get bigger? But bigger is not about you, it's about God. Yes, it is. Because, first of all, if you can see God bigger, then you can be bigger. Right. Because you are made in God's image. Yes. And the reason most of you are small is because you're seeing God small. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the psalmist means when it says, Magnify the Lord with me. Because when you magnify something, the object doesn't change. The, the only thing that changes is the way you view the object. And some of you need to magnify God. The reason you don't see magnification and promotion and expansion and enlargement in your life is because your perspective of God is too small. David looked at Goliath and said, I know you are big, but guess what? I've learned how to magnify God in the backside of the desert. So even though you are big, my God is bigger. Even though you're strong, my God is stronger. Even though you're tall, my God is taller. You have to learn to invite God into a situation. Let everything that has bread, praise the Lord. You got to open your mouth and invite him into your family. Open your mouth and invite him into your church. Open your mouth and invite him into your city. Open your mouth and invite him into your life. Don't wait till you have a breakdown. Open your mouth even when you have a breakthrough. He's, see, he doesn't want to just be the God of the battle. He, God, God takes, see, I was talking, I was talking to somebody the other day, Pastor, and I was telling them, we always say God gets the glory. But it's see, God wants to get the glory, He wants to get the battle. That's why the Bible says the battle is the Lord, it's not just the glory. God wants to be there every time. You cannot pick and choose. That's what giving your life to Christ means. Because you cannot pick and choose when you give your life to Jesus. If He's going to be in charge of the party, then He's he's gonna be in charge of the the problems. So good. I invite God into my life. You you have to learn how to attract God with celebrations. Most of you are where you are and God is passing your house by, passing your business by because you have no party, because you have no celebration. In this season, if you are going to move into and step into another season and another level, you must learn how to throw a party even when there's no wine. You must learn how to throw a party and celebrate. Even though things are not working out, you must learn how to throw a party yourself. If nobody shows up, that's fine. I'm going to bless the Lord. The qualification for praise is breath. The qualification for a party is breath. So anything that has breath, it doesn't matter where I am. I might be in the prison. I might be in the lion's den. I might be in the fairy furnace. But everything that has breath. Somebody said the invitation. So while they were going through this, the Bible says they ran out of wine. So you can become bigger when you invite God into your situation and you see God bigger. Because you were made in God's image. You were made in God's image. Stop living in the shadows. Bigger comes when you see God bigger. Because now you realize your image. But they ran out of wine. And there was the next point, there was an interruption. Everybody say interruption. Interruption. Have you ever had an interruption in your life? Have you ever, and you have an, you get, you, an, an interruption of in your life when you, when you run out of things that are supposed to be running things in your life. An interruption of in your life when your current condition doesn't match your preparation. An interruption of in your life when you have to figure out a plan for what you never planned for in the first place. An interruption occurs in your life, and life is full of interruptions. Life is full of disruptions. When, you, when your car is repossessed, it's an interruption. When you are laid off, it's an interruption. When, you, when, you, when your, your car is repossessed, it's an interruption. I mean, I can go on and on. Don't let me come there. I'm going to go on and on and get through the list, because you know what happens when you have an interruption. But I have good news for you. If Jesus is in the celebration, then an interruption is not the end. If Jesus is in your party, then that interruption is not the end. You see, what man calls an interruption, God calls an introduction. And it's no mistake that we are celebrating the eight-year anniversary, which is new beginning. So what you call an interruption, God calls an introduction. Most of you are not ready for, see, the, the, the reason why God brings an interruption is because you're so addicted. Your palate is so accustomed to old wine. And God is saying, the only way I can change you and the only way I can give you better. And most of us have been screaming and shouting better. God is saying, you cannot scream better and not get ready for an interruption. Most of us want better and we want to go bigger and we want to go higher, but we don't want an interruption because you're addicted to old wine. You're addicted to old routines. You're addicted to old philosophies and traditions. And God is saying, the only way I can get you the more expensive wine is to interrupt the less expensive wine. You need an interruption. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. I know you came here to jump and shout. But I came to tell you, you need an interruption in your life. Because what man calls an interruption, God calls an introduction. You are looking at your life and you think it's just the end. God says, no, it's just the bend. Because when men say there is a casting down, God says there is a lifting up. Yes, yes. It's just an interruption. Look at someone and tell them it's just an interruption. It's just an interruption. It's just an interruption. I like the fact, pastor, that even though they ran out of wine, the wedding still continued. Can you hang around when there's no wine? Your wedding shouldn't be dependent on wine. And most of us will never have a party if we don't have wine in our lives. And God is looking for people that can have a wedding without wine. Because if they didn't have a wedding without wine. Jesus will not be necessary in this situation. We will never hear about it. But God is saying, "I'm looking for places where you can, I'm looking for places where you can have a wedding. I know you are expecting wine. I know you are expecting a baby. I know you are expecting a breakthrough. I know you are expecting healing from cancer. And I don't know why I'm talking about. Cancer in our church back home in Houston last week, Bishop Tudor Bismarck was speaking, and and we asked for people that need. That want to be healed from cancer. A particular lady came out. And Pastor said, If you know you've been healed of cancer in the last six months, come out. And we had over ten ladies flock out because God is in the business of interrupting things. Whenever there is an interruption, Whenever there is an interruption, God begins to introduce. God says, I'm going to interrupt cancer in this season. I'm going to interrupt destructive habits in this season. Because it's about to introduce something new in your life. So it don't matter whether you are or where you are here. If you are able to have the wedding without wine, God says, I would give you new wine. If you're able to have the party and praise God, even when you don't have wine, God says, I'm going to give you new wine. Who did I come for this morning? I came to tell you and let you know that new wine is coming. A better wine is coming. A better job is coming. A better health is coming. Better is coming. Somebody's out better. better. Jesus did not leave the wedding just because there was no wine. Because if Jesus hangs around, then I might as well hang around. Because if he's around, he can turn things around. Most of you, want, you want to turn things around, but you don't want to hang around. How is God going to turn it around when you don't hang around? I want to thank God that he didn't run out when I ran out of wine. I just want to stop here and pause and and thank God for his amazing grace that did not run out when I ran out of wine. I didn't have hope and I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have nothing. I didn't have wine. He still stood and he stayed there. He was still in his seat. I didn't have wine. He was still there. I didn't have hope. He was still there. I didn't have children. He was still there. I didn't have a plan. He was still there. He did not leave the party just because there is no wine. Jesus didn't show up because of wine. Jesus showed up because of you. He showed up because of you. And that's why even... And don't define your life based on the wine situation. Don't define your life and the value you place in your life based on whether you have or you don't have. Jesus will still stay there. Whether there's wine or whether there's no wine. I know I'm speaking to somebody. Jesus is still going to be there. And your accident will... The Bible says, I would never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says, I will still be in the wedding. Whether you have the child or not. Whether you have the job or not. Whether you have the wine or not. God says, "I, I will still... Be there. God is giving you better. For whatever you have lost, God is giving you better. For whatever you have lost in this season, God is giving you better. For whatever you have lost, I hear it so clearly. For whatever you have lost, God is giving you better. God says, I'm interrupting the old so that I can do the new. God says, I'm giving you new wine. Somebody shout, New wine. wine. Better wine. Jesus was an interruption what the devil did not know is that Jesus was an interruption there was an old covenant and there is now a new covenant but before we could get into the new covenant there had to be an interruption and Jesus was an interruption because whenever an interruption shows up it begins a new cycle and it's not a mistake, it's not a coincidence, it's not by happenstance or circumstance that we are celebrating our eight-year anniversary because we are in a season where God is doing new things. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And I came to decree and declare to you, City Church, that you are in a new season. Yes, we are. And the thing about a new season is that you can be in, in a new season and, and not even know. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is the reason... p.m. feels the same as 12.01 a.m. And you can be in a new day and be in a new season and not even know. Most of you are in a new season and you don't even know. And God sent me down here as a clock to tell you, look at the clock. It's no longer 11.59. It is now 12.01. I know you still have the same PJs on. I know you're still sleeping in the same bed. I know you're still watching the same movie. I know you're still, you're looking at your bank account and that's the wrong thing to look at. Don't look at your bank account. Don't look at your, don't look at your friends. Look at the clock. Because if you can look at the clock, you would know it's a new day. And the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night. but my Bible says that joy comes in not in a morning but in the morning not just one morning but in the morning look at somebody and tell him it's morning it's morning morning. if you are going to be better in this season if you are going to be better then you have to accept the interruptions and you have to be okay and at the back of your mind you know that it does not matter whether i have wine or not jesus didn't come because of the wine He came because of you. you. Your value is not in the wine. Your value is in who you are. Because you're made in God's image. Stop living in the shadows. There's a difference between an image and a shadow. An image is formed by the reflection of light. A shadow is formed by an obstruction of light. That's why we have to live in the light. That's a different subject altogether. And so they ran out of wine. And Mary had to do something about the situation. As I looked at this text, and, and as I looked at this text, three things popped in my head. I was thinking about it, because the Bible doesn't just throw words out there. There's a reason. There was Mary. There were servants. The disciples were, of course, just watching things happen, right? <laughs> but there was Jesus. As I thought about that, I told me that there are three people you need in in your party, you need in your life. You need a Mary, you need the servants, and you need a Jesus. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, can you elaborate? Because they will look at me like they are looking at me now. (laughs) Mary identified the problem. You need people in your life that can tell you when you're running low. They don't have the solution, but they know the solution. You see, the problem with tr- you is you, that uh, 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 we find ourselves in this situation where we are trying to figure out everything ourselves. Do you realize we've not even talked about the couple getting married? This was happening in the kitchen and they were on the dance floor dancing. The couple was dancing without even knowing. This is what happens when you invite God. To your, you don't even know the battles he's fighting now. You're here in church. You don't know how God is keeping you. You don't know, know the Mary's God is put. You don't have the solution. But you know somebody that has the solution. Mary identified the solution. The servants. You need a Mary that can identify the solution. You need servants that can implement the solution. And you need a Jesus that can initiate it. You need people that can identify People that can implement and people that can initiate. Because Jesus can say, hey, go and do it. And they say, are you serious? Why? I'm not doing this. (laughs) Mary cannot fill it with water, but she can lead you to who will give you the direction to fill it with water. And she invited all of these people. You need all of these people in your life. And Mary gave an instruction. And she told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do. If you want to see what God is doing, you have to do what God is saying. Most people want to see God move in their life, but they don't see. I, I, I said something the other I put it on Instagram, and 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 and, and Pastor Wendy, I said this. I said most people always like to pray, God order my steps. And that's fine, but are you willing to step into what God has ordered? So good, so good. Obedience is a catalyst. Jesus said, My hour has not come. You are going to get unscheduled miracles because of obedience. He said, my hour has not even come. And so people are sowing seeds and casting and binding. And God said, don't worry, I'll come with my... But when you obey God, God says, I cannot resist. I have to do it. In this season, God wants your obedience because instruction is what converts interruption to divine intervention. And most of us are stuck in a season of interruption. But God is saying, if you can follow, see, you're not ready for intervention, divine intervention, if you can take take divine instructions. So if you cannot take divine instructions, you are not ready for divine interventions. And most of all, you want God to move in your life, but you're not ready to move when he says move. So you want God to change your life, but you don't, want to, you don't want God to change your plans. How does it work? How does it work? How can God change your life when you're not ready to change when God says change? Obedience. Do you realize that God, Jesus never focused on the wine? Jesus didn't even talk about wine. The the, the trick of the enemy is to make you focus on what you lost, not what is left. Jesus did not even spend, he didn't even mention the word wine. Your miracle is not in what you lost. Your miracle is in what you have left. And God uses what is left to give you what is next. And most people are looking at what they lost, but God is not looking at what you lost. Because if you lost it, you don't need it for the next season. And God is saying if you are going to need new beginnings, you have to shed off some things, shed off some relationships. Are you, do you have the capacity? To not focus on what you lost. Because what you need might not be in what you lost, but what you have. What you need might not be in what you lost. I know I'm speaking to somebody. You are focusing on the wrong thing. When God gave you water, he gave you wine. There is wine in your water. Don't despise what you have. Just because it doesn't look like what you want, doesn't mean it's not what you need. Good. 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 Don't despise the child. Don't despise the spouse. Don't despise the business. Don't despise what you have now. Because it doesn't look like what you have in mind. And I'm telling you that God says for every ounce of water you have poured in. That is, that is how I'm going to good, good, good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. You need water. You need wine. But God is saying, how do you handle the wine? How do you handle the wine? I ask God, why did you have them go through all of this whole pouring water here and taking water out. I mean, you're, you're God. You should have just told everybody wine in every cup. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, I have those conversations. Maybe, okay, maybe, I, I don't know. <laughs> and and Pastor, while I was thinking about it, God told me that, and, and I, I like to transport myself, not tell it, you know what I mean. I mean, like, I got to, some people are like, transport yourself, like, seriously. No, I mean, like, I try to think about it and put myself in that situation. And I said, So look at this. There had to be a place they were getting the wine from. And so if they ran out of wine, it means that there was a jar that was empty. And now there was another jar or jars that were full. So on one hand, you have full jars. On another hand, you have empty jars. As I thought about that long enough, God told me, Just because one aspect of your life is empty doesn't mean every aspect of your life is empty. And we often like to focus on the part of our life that is empty and live the part of our life that is full. We always like to focus on the part of our life that is deficient and we don't want to focus on the part of our life that is sufficient. In this season, the way you can become efficient is to focus on what you are sufficient in, not what you are deficient in. And most of you have been focusing on your empty jars. And you've been neglecting what has been full. And God is saying, all I need for you to do in this season is to focus on what you have, not what you've lost. They kept pouring. They kept pouring water in. They kept pouring. They had empty here, but they kept pouring. And God is saying, keep pouring. I know you're, while you're waiting for wine, keep pouring water. While you're waiting for a spouse, keep helping other people. While you're waiting for a baby, keep serving in the children's church. While you're waiting for your own business, keep working yourself in that job. While you're waiting, the, the problem is that people want wine, but they will not pour water. You want wine, but you will not pour water. How can you? Because wine is made from water. Water is level one. You want level two, but you don't want to serve level one. How is it possible? (laughs) You might lose everything, city church. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me this morning. You can lose everything, but don't lose your water. You can lose hope and lose faith and lose friends and lose strategies, but don't lose your water. Because as long as you have water, you have something God can work with. You might lose your friends, but as long as you have water, God can give you more friends. You might lose strategy, but as long as you have water, and of course water means the word. As long as you have water, God can give you more. Lose everything, but don't lose your water. 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 I came all the way from Houston to tell you, don't lose your water. Don't lose your water. You can lose everything, but don't lose your water. You can lose hope, but don't lose your water. You can lose friends, but don't lose your water. Don't lose your water. There is wine in that water. There is breakthrough in that water. There is favor in that water. There is miracle in that water. There's something in the water. Come on. There's something in the water. Help me Holy Ghost. There's something in the water. It says pour the water. And fill it to the brim. Yeah, go in, go in. Fill it to the brim. I said, why? Because every verse is important. And God says, I want you to fill yourself with the word so there is no room for the devil. Yes. No room for impurities. No room for doubt. You see, most people have poured water in, but they are not filled. And that's why they have a mixture of faith and doubt. and, And is it possible? Is it not possible? No. The Bible says Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God. He was not shaken. He was strong in faith because he was filled with water. Some of you have water, but you are not full of water. Some of you have water and God is saying, if you want newness, newness starts with fullness. You want newness. You want something You God says. The way to get something new is to start being full. There's something in the water. There's something in the water. Help me and touch your neighbor, the one that might be sleeping now, and just tell them, (laughs) and tell them there's something in the water. There's something in the water. Don't despise what you have. There's something in the water. Uh, Pastor, I find it intriguing that God will use empty vessels. There's something in the water. Empty vessels. Empty vessels. Most people are so full of themselves and they make a fool of themselves. Empty vessels. Most people are so. You, you need, God is attracted to empty. God is attracted to empty and desperate and hungry people. Are you empty enough for God to use you? Or are you full of yourself? Because if you're full of yourself, you always make a fool of yourself. Empty vessels. Keep pouring. As I thought about this, I asked myself, oh, oh, he's about to play the keyboard. I'm about to round up. <laughs> he's like, um, wrap up. There's water in the wine. I know, better." wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question, church. When did the water turn to wine? I thought about that long enough, and God told me, You would never see, because they took water. When the water was in the the water pot, it was still water. But the time the servants took the water and gave it to the master of ceremonies, the water turned to wine. And I thought about it. I did. I promise you I did. The problem, Pastor Wendy, is that most people are not willing to serve water. So they never see wine. Do you have the ability to serve the ordinary extraordinarily? Good. 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 How do you serve your husband? Oh, okay, that's a different subject. How do you serve wine? Because some people are like, ooh! Stay, stay right there. But think about it. How do you serve? Most people want to See, when you bring out wine, everybody brings out a fine. Everybody brings out a cup and everything. But are you willing? Do you have the capacity to serve water like wine? This is where the miracle occurs. Most people don't have the ability to serve water. They would have poured everything, spent all their energy. But if they didn't have the boldness, these guys were servants, so they would have been killed. And you know, this water was not like clean water, like the cool water. No, this was ceremonial for the feet. Dirty water. So you take dirty water. So the master of ceremonies, you you need to talk about boldness. That's when the water begins to turn, when you have the boldness to serve water. As you move, as you take the first step, the water is turning into wine. Do you have, I, I can't leave this place. Do you have the ability? You, the problem is that what you're looking at, they were looking at the solution and they were hungry and they were starving and they were with no wine without knowing that what they had. See, whatever you're believing God for is in what you've believed God for. You'll get it when I'm in Houston. Whatever you're believing God for, see, whatever you're believing God for, the wine you're believing God for is in the water you once believed God for. The child you believe him for yesterday, the doctor you believe in him for tomorrow, isn't the child you believe in him for yesterday. What you need isn't what you have. The problem is, are you willing to serve the water as wine? Oh my God. God, let me tell you, you would see miracles in your life. Go back home and look at everything that looks like water. Every watery situation. Everything that looks watery. Everything that looks ordinary. God is a specialist in using the ordinary. The problem is that you've been giving God wine. God doesn't need any wine in his life. He doesn't need wine because wine is wine. But he needs people that are like water. How do you serve the water in your life? So good. So good. Thank you. The process of fermentation... Should have taken years. But God collapsed it into service. God collapsed it into obedience. God collapsed the process into boldness. You're talking about new beginnings. You would be amazed. The righteous, as bold as a lion. You would be amazed at what would happen when you serve water as wine. Serve it graciously. Carry it graciously. Like it's water. Like it's wine. Because there is water. There is wine in your water. Water, wine, water, wine. It's the same state. Water, liquid, wine. The same form, the same, the same feel. Water, wine. God says I'm not trying to change your state. I'm trying to change your taste. Water. Wine, water, wine. You, 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 you. God says, I'm not trying to change your state. I'm trying to change your taste. Water, wine, water, water, wine. The same person, but different taste. Water, wine, the same person, but I smell differently. I taste differently. I look differently. Water and wine. Water and wine. Water and wine. When you do what you can, go do what you can't. Water, wine. Water, wine. Water and wine. Water to wine. Do you know, as I looked at that text, I noticed something that Jesus did not touch anything. Jesus spoke everything. So good. Wow. So good. He didn't touch the water. He, he didn't even talk to the water. He, didn't, he, he, talk, he spoke to the servants. That's the power of his water. He didn't touch the water. He didn't touch the jar. He didn't touch nothing. He just spoke. And in this season, the word of God is just coming. And you know what your water is. God is saying, serve your water as wine. And you need the boldness. If you have the audacity to serve water, you would have the capacity to see wine. Serve the water as wine. They took this. And Jesus said, take it. And they took it and served it. And Jesus gave specific instructions. They took it and gave it to the master of ceremonies. And when he tasted it, what happened? It had turned to to wine, And I, I thought to myself, perhaps if they gave it to any other person, he wouldn't have turned to wine because Jesus gave specific instructions. But here is, the, here is what I noticed. I noticed, notice, church, that it was water in everybody's hands. But when it came to the right hands, it turned to wine. Jesus is saying, when it comes to your turn, it's going to turn around. When it comes to your life, it's gonna turn around. It was water in everybody's hands, but the moment it landed on the right person's hands, it turned into wine. It's gonna turn around in your life. You can be bigger. You can be better through interruption. And you gotta be bold when it comes to instructions. Because that's where the miracle happens. My prayer for you, City Church, is that God will give you people that will taste wine where other people see water. The master of ceremonies tasted wine when other people, God will give you people with incredible palates, miraculous palates, tongues, that, that, that would taste something different and treasure you when every other person sees water. The problem we, we have in church today is that a lot of us are water. And sometimes you feel like water. But when God puts you in the right place, they value you like wine. And the reason you would never see water or the reason you would never see wine in the cup is because God wants you to be humble. But the reason other people would taste wine is because God wants them to value you. Humility and value goes together. I came here all the way from Houston to let you know that Jesus is more than just a guest. Jesus is more than just a visitor. He can turn things around in your life. This is a new day of invitation. This is a new day of interruption. And this is a new day of instruction. Let's stand up on our feet. The next 30 seconds I'm going to pray for you and I'll be gone. And these 30 seconds are very important. It's a new day. It's a new day. Let's just close our eyes for the next few seconds. I know we're out of time, but I'll, I'll be done in a second. Let's close our eyes for the next few seconds. Father, we want to just thank you and give you all the praise.